Fishing had its biggest viral moment in 2022. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad. What is going on? Welcome to the one cast. I don't know what it is, but I'm just really feeling that intro beat right now. I'm Ben. I got Trey in here with me. I got Pete. Fellas, you guys want to say anything? Hey, good afternoon, folks. Welcome to the first episode of the one cast. Yeah, what's going on, folks? We're excited to uh, to have you listening, and this has been a long time coming. Absolutely. We've uh, we've been working on this, Ben and I, for almost two years now, it seems like, and then uh, Trey got more involved, and, and here we are. So, yeah, looking forward to it. It is the inaugural episode of the One Cast, where we sit down, we talk fishing outdoors, maybe BS with each other, whatever we want to talk about. So come Doesn't on matter. in, join the conversation. Before we get started, and we preface in the beginning the viral moment of 2022, but the One Cast is brought to you by One Cast Fishing. Got to put that shameless plug in there. If you want to join the Snagless Revolution, you want to catch more fish but lose less tackle, go over to OneCastFishing.com, pick up some Snagless jigs. Use the code THEONECAST at checkout, save 10%. So with that said, let's just jump right into it. Let's get into it. A lot happened in 2022, and we figured that our inaugural episode, because we're debuting right here at the beginning of 2023 practically, that let's just go over everything that happened last year and the biggest moment of the year. When you get on Tucker Carlson and CNN, and not for a good reason, right? That is the biggest viral moment. We all know the walleye guys. We got weights and fish. Weights and fish. (laughs) <laughs> I tell you what, I don't really have a lot to say about these guys other than the fact that hopefully they get the dude that's coming to them. I don't know how they made it out of the parking lot, either alive or not hurt, even though there was law enforcement there. Um, that, that, that was all the tournament director. 100%. 100%. If you watched it, he kept, he kept that crowd as civil as possible. I think he started off with a bang. We got, we got lead and fish. Yeah. We got weights and fish, but then he toned it down. And he was like, hey... Don't leave, but no one else killed them. And I think they did a good job, but man, what a moment. 2020 was viral with COVID, and 2022 was viral with lead weights and wallets. Yeah, and you don't want to give them as, you know, a bunch of fame because of what they did. Everybody knows what they did. They're getting slapped with felonies. They've lost their boats. Their, their fishing careers are over. Uh, but I was actually at an industry event when that happened. I was uh, working a small show. Well, with a, a company I do some work with uh, in, in Virginia at a, at a store. They have their outdoor days. It was Green Top. Um, so there were a bunch of folks from, you know, all over the industry. They were from big big and small companies. And uh, everybody was playing it on their phone. Everybody was talking about it in the bass fishing world. And uh, it really polarized fishing, again, not not positively. It wasn't a good thing. No. Uh, but it, it did it did bring fishing to, to the forefront. Um you know, people saw it on Tucker Carlson. It was on everybody's For You page. So hopefully, maybe it drew some fans that didn't know there was such thing as competitive fishing. Sure. So I don't, I, you know, you don't always want to just look at the negative, but if you try to take some positive away from it, it brought the world of, of competitive fishing kind of to the forefront for a negative reason, but potentially it drew some people in that didn't know that was something that I, existed. I like that take on it. That That is the positive spin on it, is that, there's no such thing as negative publicity, right? That, that's, that's the old right. adage. It, yes, very bad situation that happened. Um, those guys were trying to steal folks' money, but now maybe some some other people know that 
you know, there is competitive fishing. That was walleye, but there's bass fishing. And well, it actually changed the rules for all Lake Erie walleye tournaments now yeah. that they will yeah. have metal detectors at the weigh-in. So they changed a standard operating procedure for the tournament deal, but uh, it definitely brought more attention to the bass world. And Hopefully, it brought more attention to that snagless jig, but let's let's not go there right now. <laughs> so, fishing didn't just impact walleye. I mean, no. cheating didn't just impact walleye fishing. You had you had a cheating scandal hit the MLF. Uh, it it wasn't made as big as it probably should have been. It, you know, Jeff Sprague. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Let's let's talk about that because. I think we all kind of felt like that got swept a little bit under the rug. Didn't that come out around ICAST time when that news came out? I think it was right around then when it came out, yeah. I, I know it came out very quick. They said this happened back in, because it was, I believe March was when that tournament was. It was either the first or second event. And yeah. they said, this happened, here's the punishment, and that was the last you heard of it. So, Yeah, it's, I mean, by no means, I don't know that individual personally, and, and I don't fish any of those circuits, but you can definitely see the difference in the level of punishment or the level of consequence across the board. And, and whether it's due to, you know, objective rules like not being followed or subjectivity within the leadership of those organizations, we, you know, I couldn't tell you what it is, but that was a really interesting moment to see how much that did not go viral versus the wall idea Let's, yeah and i don't want to dive too much into the right. punishment and all because i want i i'm going to bring that up at length on, a, on an episode coming up there you go too long. <laughs> uh, so if you want to hear hear our thoughts on punishments we're going to get into that in depth but um yeah it, it was sort of like hey this happened and and for the folks that don't know uh jeff uh they found out i had to receive some information via text message uh it was like the week before practice or during practice from from a local who was a, I guess, a friend of his or, or whatever, uh, they had texted him the name of a specific creek uh, that he had been catching some fish in, uh, and and in those larger tournament series, once you get to that level, uh, there's a no information period where you can't gather information from people, uh, you know, even publicly posted on Facebook. If you were on scrolling Facebook pages and they found that out, potentially they could say you were violating the rules. You you can't fish the water, you can't run the water, you can't talk to people about the water. Uh, until that official practice period. so And that's to maintain a, a level playing field. You know, I saw a lot of comments about this uh, when this when it did happen, and, and it made the rounds on social media about people saying this no-information rule is, is silly. Like, why would you do that? You still have to go catch the fish. And I understand that. As I understand the spirit or the rule, right, it is not about, hey, you're pumping your gas, and someone walks up to you and starts talking about the lake, and you're like, oh, no, can't tell me. Or you walk into a tackle shop, and you're like, you overhear a conversation with the locals. It's there to prevent solicitation of yeah. actively going out and getting information. Because what you don't want to have happen is that you, we all know on the various pro tours, right? There, there are some anglers who have more resources than others. You don't want to get to the point where anglers could pay other people to go pre-fish and get all that information. Yeah, and those allegations have been around for a long time of people paying paying folks to scout lakes ahead of time or you know, to spend time and collect waypoints, uh, even if it's not fishing, but collecting waypoints, things like that. So. I mean, the reality is within any professional sporting industry or not even professional, there's a level of integrity that needs to be met. And um, unfortunately, they can only objectify so many rules before it becomes a big, a big boys game. Right. And you need to own up to that because at the end of the day, you're paying to play. Right. So if you're if you're having a distinct advantage over all your other competitors because you're going outside the lines of integrity, well, to me, that's a little bit of a that, that's an issue. Right. Yeah. 
So just like taking steroids and being an NFL player or MLB player or something like that, right? So you've got to try to have a, a level play field as possible. Yeah. And what's interesting is like we look at Jeff and that happened in uh, the MLF. Um, and he was disqualified from that event after the fact. I think he had to give back some money. He had to give back the winnings. He lost the points and yeah, yep. disqualified. It counted as a DQ. But basically he got disqualified. Mm-hmm. Yep. We, there was another situation that happened with Trey Swindle and the Opens. And he was disqualified from the event. I believe it was the final day. It was the final day. He was in first or second. He was on fish. Yep. 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 And he he was doing really well. And you have to, you know, at these levels, you have to have insurance and the right level of insurance for your boat for liability purpose. And they checked his insurance and he didn't have it. And so they did. They disqualified him and he owned up to it. He accepted it. It was his oversight. Right. He went on with life. It, It is what it is. You know, we can have that debate, and if you want to, right? If you're if you're watching on YouTube or, or Facebook or whatever, and you want to drop in the comments and talk about this, but right, we start talking about two anglers got disqualified. To me personally, is vastly different Rules crimes. You want to say mm-hmm. right or infractions? Um, different series, different level. You're different levels if you look at it too. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, swindles it if you want to call it the triple A level, uh, trying to make it to the pros. Essentially, you're a pro fisherman if you're fishing the opens like he does. Where, yeah. Where you're fishing all of them trying to qualify, but he's not at that next level. But that's one thing with bass is it's very clear on those specific infractions what, you know, what the punishment is. So there's no there's no question. Everybody knows ahead of time. Now, there's the debate was why don't they check it at, pre, at angler meetings, you know, captain's meetings before, uh, check it at the beginning of the year. And I don't have an answer for that other than they've always done it the way they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, his uncle, uh, G-Man, got on and talked about it and said they've checked boat two, four, and six for thirty the 30 years I've been doing it. Yeah. Sometimes it's two, four, and six. One, sometimes it's one, three, and five. Yep. But you don't know when it's coming, but you're going to get checked at some point in time. And, and, and I get it's the open, and there's 225, 250 people. It's hard to check every single one, but, but that, that's a great point. Let's not get people disqualified because of a paperwork oversight or something, right? Let's let's yeah. check them all at the beginning of the year. Make sh- make sure your your insurance or all that stuff is good through the entire year, and let people go fish I, again. In the open, makes it difficult. At the same but, time, to play devil's advocate, though, like at that level, you're you're a big boy now, and you should have that that fine detail, that sort of backdoor stuff locked down. It really does state it in the rules, which are thick, by the way. And we'll talk about the next. Uh, the next topic, but in the rules, it specifically states what you must have, right? $300,000 liability insurance. So at the end of the day, it's really not on the organization to to check that or to make sure you have it. It's on you. What I would say is control the controllables and then the things like getting information, which is really hard to determine, right, mm-hmm. from the organization standpoint. Those are the things that you want to exert your energy on from the organizational standpoint, like going out and finding if people are, in fact, breaking the rules. Like liability insurance, so you check it, you got it, you don't, you don't. And then that's it at the end of the day, right? Next, move well, on. So we have MLF, Jeff Bragg, unfair advantage. Trey Swindle disqualified BASS paperwork. There was another one with Jacob Wheeler and Alton Jones Jr. This one's tricky. This is a tough one because... One, they violated state law, and and most tournament trails. I'd have to I have to dive into MLF a little bit more and see how it states. But most tournament trails, it's a DQ if you do that. Two, they technically had an unfair advantage, even though it's a legal rule within the tournament trail. It's illegal against state rule against state law. Yeah. 
and that was MLF allows two lines in the water once per period. So what what I understand happened is general scenario in a sense that they're fishing maybe top water, fish blows up on it. Instead of reeling in really fast. Second line in. Second line in. Or a fish comes right, a, a second fish is following right next to the boat. They cast it in, right? Legal a lot of places. Wasn't legal where they were at. They got caught on camera. To me, I think this is, to me, it's not a big deal. It's, they're traveling all over. Yes, you, you should look at the rules. The, the organization, I think, should probably brief unique, specific state rules. And they didn't do that, so they covered the fines. Uh, I know it made the rounds. There was some debate about it. But, but, but to me personally, this isn't like in the scheme of things. This is like right. on the far, like the, the minor things. And, uh, yeah. And I, I didn't – it kind of divided the, the, the fishing world. There was both sides. That's We're going to talk about it more again yeah. when, I, when I bring up a topic for our, an upcoming podcast. But it's all, about, it's all about malicious intent. Can you prove there was some form of malicious intent behind it? But, yeah, all great points, um, all great topics, and I know we're going to deep dive into it in the, in the next segment. So, But now we're moving on, right? Yeah, I think I, I know the, kind of the first 15 minutes of this, of this episode here, we, we're recapping the year, and it's been kind of negative stories. And we wanted to do this, one. Everyone knows about these stories, or, yep. or, or more people probably know about them. But two, we're going to get to the good stuff at the end, the good things that happened in 2022. Um, I think we pretty much covered all the kind of yeah. like the negative events in 2022. Some people might say Keith Poch, uh, Pochet with him mm. running a different boat. But look, he's inside the rules. He does it all the time. He ran that boat all year. Unless you guys have a different take on it. That was an on issue issue. I mean, he ran that yeah. boat all year. They were just mad that it was a boat that he could get places others couldn't yep and this was the open on the it was in oklahoma right it was on um what river was it on on, i can't remember remember which river. i just know that he found something else and no one else did and he had the ability to access it where no one else could access it and that was because he chose to put himself at an advantage and a disadvantage at the same time right so at the end of the day he chose to run an 18 foot tin boat because that fit his fishing style you pay to play the game. He was within the bylaws of that organization. At the end of the day, there were some other people that tried to run block against the game that he had going on, which, you know, that to me, that was a huge uh, unwritten at unwritten rule. Like don't mess with, don't mess with his stuff, but he was within his, uh, within the laws and regulations, um, both from the organization and from the state. So I don't think there's an issue. And, and like Pete said, it was a a non-issue that was made into an issue. Yeah. Uh, exactly, especially considering for the rest of the year on, on big water uh, lakes and tournaments, he's at a disadvantage because he ran that boat all year. Yeah. Right. So, yep. you know, that's his strategy, and and, and I kind of like seeing that too. Different anglers knowing their strengths and playing to their strengths. Um, I, none of us have a problem I, with it. Sounds like I I don't I don't prefer the the cookie cutter approach to everybody having the same thing. Again, you pay the entry fees. You pay, a lot of these anglers pay for what's on their boat or their spot. They have some sponsorship deals, but at the end of the day, like these AAA levels, like these guys don't have all the free gear given to them. So whatever they choose to put on their boat is of their choice. And, and that's another big misconception that people think even when you make it to the elites, you're getting gear given to you. It's you're like at the 1% of fishing when you make it to the elite or the Bass Pro Tour. And maybe 1% of those guys get that gear actually given to them. Most of these guys, believe it or not, folks, whether you want to believe it or not, I, I know some of them personally. They're friends of mine. 
they pay for the stuff just like we do. They yeah. may get a little bit of a discount, but at the end of the day, just like you and I, they've got to buy stuff. And that's why you saw first tournament of the year last year, there were, there were a few guys that were using 10 and 15 year old units on the front of their boat mm-hmm. because in, at the elite level, because they couldn't get graphs. That's right. Well, the logistical issues of what was it? COVID-19. And then we're still dealing with that. But at the end of the day, it's a personal and professional choice on how do they want to rig their stuff within yep. the laws and regulations. And, I like the personally, I like the way that Keith Poche fishes. I think it's something different. It's something that catches the eye of the, uh, of the consumer and he fishes to his style and he didn't break any rules. Objectively broke no rules. Nope. He just hurt some feelings. Yeah, it just hurt feelings. He could get the fish at other But swallow your pride. I mean, we've all had our teeth kicked in on different events, and you thought you were going to fish deep, and you, somebody in the shallow game just whooped your butt. Oh, yeah. More times than I want to remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Absolutely. That's what happens. Well, so I think but, that... But a high note for him, though, is he qualified for the elites, man. Yeah. So he's back. Congratulations yeah. to him, and, mm-hmm. and I think I think he's going to show boat. out. Major tours. The yeah, I don't know how he's going to do the that. Elites. <laughs> I don't know how he's going to. So we got another out. John Cox year. And yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes for Keith. Hopefully, hopefully it's a good year. I, I'm like you. I like the way he fishes. Yep. He fishes a lot like John. Yep. He's going to find a fish shallow, That's and he's right. going to live and die by it. It's like John Cox, Keith Carson, and Keith Poche. Those little shallow water sticks right they're, there. They're so. going to run. They're going to run the bank, and they're going to find fish, and right. and they compete. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think that pretty much covers. Like if you want to call it negative, but the bad in 2022. So let's talk about some of the good stuff. And right, the big thing I want to bring out is, is how well the fishing was this year at some of the the major level tournaments. Mm. Uh, look, if we look at Bassmaster, the Elite Series, there were nine century belts, so nine anglers. Actually, I think one did it twice. Am I, am I right there? I'd have to go back and look. I'd have, yeah. Yeah, but, but there were nine century belts, so nine anglers over three tournaments caught over 100 pounds of fish, which is absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Now, four of those were at Lake Fork. You kind of maybe expect a couple there uh, as long as you hit it right, but we had two at Santee Cooper they hit right, two on the St. Lawrence River, including one. Smallmouth. All smallmouth. All smallmouth. Smallmouth. Yep. Which might be the most impressive like single tournament I have I have witnessed watching you know on Bass Live because that that was that was phenomenal. That, yeah, that's something you're not going to see. I'm not going to say you're not going to see it. We're going to see it again in our lifetime. The, the Great Lakes are just putting out giants right now. But to see a to see a three day tournament total five fish tournament and 100 pounds all smallmouth slugfest. I never would have dreamt of that. I nope. mean, when I started fishing the Great Lakes, a four pound fish was a good fish. Now you you don't even get to scale out for a five and a half or six. Yeah. When twenty five pounds doesn't even get you in the yeah. in the cut, you're like, well, and and that goes to that goes to show you that we're hopefully we're doing something right, right? Like from a conservation and, and and biological standpoint, like keeping those keeping the water clean, making sure that the the fish and wildlife or DNR as they call them up north, uh, you know, maintain those waters and, and restock and manage fish well, like. That's an example of what's going on. It, it's really impressive, too, that it was so good considering how much the water got beat up due to COVID. I mean, there was more pressure on the lakes in 2020 and 2021 because nobody had anything to do, right? So we saw the, the fishing industry boom, and the waters were just packed all the time. And for 2022 to roll around in however many century belts were handed out during that time, that's amazing. I see it, and I think, I think on some, some of those bodies of water, I think COVID actually helped because if you look local, look at Jordan Lake, there was one ramp open for oh, yeah, a lot that's right. of COVID. 
So there were times that I fished and only saw one other bass boat. Because of the one ramp was on the other end of the lake from the mass population. People didn't want to drive as far. Harris got a little bit busier locally because those were both state ramps and they stayed open. Yeah. But the park state parks were closed. So those ramps were closed. The Army Corps closed their ramp mm-hmm. for, yeah, for a while. For the most, most of COVID. I, my favorite part about COVID, fishing COVID, yeah. is that <laughs> although some of the ramps were closed at all, there were no pleasure boaters on the water no. because you show up in the morning, the entire parking lot is full of bass boats. Right, everyone's going out fishing. There's no place for them to park. There's no place for those <laughs> wake boats. And yeah. it was absolutely a, like Jordan Lake here in North Carolina in the summertime, June, Ooh. July. You're out there on a Saturday at, at noon, one mm. o'clock, trying to fish offshore. Like there's just, right, there's sailboats and there's this big wake yeah. boats. And this is unbelievable. Unless traffic. I'm fishing a tournament, I'm off Jordan at 1030. I don't yeah. stay past. Yeah, yeah, day. absolutely. But that 2020, like you could fish yeah. all day. It was awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really was. So that that is a positive from COVID is that I wish we could have that every time we go out. Just yeah. ban those other boats. I call them lake lice. <laughs> Just get rid of the lake lice. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if <laughs> if it was also positive from the calling perspective, right? Like we, I know you talked about it in segments a couple years ago, or maybe a year ago on YouTube, about is releasing all your fish a good thing for the fisheries, right? And so maybe I don't know if this is the case, but were a lot of people keeping fish during the COVID time and actually helping the predator fish population during that time, calling out some of those smaller fish and things like that. So yep. maybe that was a positive impact. Right. And there's a lot of scientists that will tell you different things. Hopefully uh, in the future, we can have a, a biologist or something on with us. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be good. So we had century belts. We had, we had multiple double digit bass caught. Mm-hmm. Um, just across the board was good. I mean, everywhere they fish, if you look at the classic, like the way to the classic, nobody would have predicted oh, no. where the cut lines were. Yeah. You know, we got down there a couple of days before to set up and and talking to folks, uh, local anglers and, and, the, and the pros themselves that, that we have relationships with and talking to those folks. Nobody expected the weights to be what they were. I mean, I'm talking, I'm not talking they were a little bit. They, we're talking six, seven pounds more than what most guys were thinking the cut was going to be. Uh, which, which on that lake... After two days, is pretty. That's a pretty six pounds is a like. Yeah, that's I think a, it was like thirty number. pounds was over thirty was a cut after the first two days, and that most yeah. guys were thinking seven or eight a day, and now you're talking fifteen. Hmm. It's uh, it was a big difference between what what most folks predicted and kind of what traditionally you see on that lake versus what what it was, and I don't know if it's a testament to the anglers getting better. Uh, I mean, them guys, those guys are good. Look, and I'm going to get into this on every podcast we ever have. People are going to blame forward-facing <laughs> sonar. It has nothing to do with that. You could get, you could take it away from all these guys and they're going to go out there and catch them, right? They do Look at Bass Pro Tour when they do the heavy hitters, base boats, no electronics other than a, a, a side scan, five-inch Lowrance and a, and a one up front, and they go out there and put up 100 pounds. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a tool for them to use it to is. catch them. Because if you look at the, the last event, I think, for Bass of the Year, uh, on the Mississippi River, yep. like live scope was not in play. It nope. was a shallow water. Santee. Yep, during the spawn yep, and all. Spawn. Yeah, I it, mean, you know, that's, but, you know, at the Classic at Hartwell, spotted Bass Lake. It was, it was definitely a, a it, it was a factor. player. Yeah. It was a factor. And, and that's good for entertainment purposes because we see higher weights, you know, the, the lake shows out. Um, but it, was, it wasn't a factor in winning, though, because a lot of that, a lot of them guys, a lot of the guys I know and I talk to, we're going out and catching five spots, 
And then they were running docks and stuff because the the big large they were catching good largemouth shallow. Yeah, that's if I so remember. they weren't using live. They were running docks. They were running laydowns. Uh, Carl Jock Jockinson caught some really nice fish on a big glide bait mm-hmm. uh, off laydowns. Uh, I know John Cruz missed a few really good fish. Had him roll on the glide bait on docks. So that was it was a factor non factor. I think I think Jason Christie said that he did use forward facing sonar to identify if the fish were there but it didn't it didn't help him catch the fish right so he definitely used it around the pylons and stuff like that but um that was an amazing event and huge shout out to him for for crushing it finally well deserved yep. yeah. well deserved been right? right there out for yep and i think years. they said i think he even said it was on the same dock that he lost the fish yep. on a few years back that that cost him a classic but that was an amazing event and that's definitely on one of my bucket list uh, lakes to get down there and fish it's so close to us anyways it is so but yeah, so the uh, so century belts, and then the anglers of the year, and we talk about we talk about the the, the classic event or or red crest. You know, there's certain people that think AOI is the most prestigious like title to earn, and then there's other people that think like classic champion is the most prestigious title. To earn. Hey, listen, I think they're both amazing. I would love to have either of them, uh, but I, but I don't pay to play just yet. <laughs> but uh, AOI for each event. So for bass. Polinek. Yep. That was that was interesting because everyone thought with two tournaments to go, he had such a lead that he had it wrapped up. Um a while he was not good for him, and then come to the first day of the Mississippi River, he was he was like way down on the uh, on the on the he list. Was he was sweating. He had to go out and catch him in the afternoon because all he had to do was make the cut. But he was he was not even close to the cut until the afternoon and mm-hmm. he was clutch, put him in the boat and, and sealed the deal. But it was a lot tighter than, than I think anyone thought back in maybe two or three months prior to that event. Yeah. And I, and going back to what Trey said, I, for me, I think the angler of the year is the more impressive of, of them of between winning a classic or winning angler of the year. If you can win one angler of the year or multiple, I mean, that means you are consistently fishing at the top of, of the best 100, 120 fishermen in the world in whatever league you're fishing in. that that's You can't have a bad day. Yeah, that's Brandon true. was lucky that he was as far ahead as he was to be able to have a bad tournament. But if you look historically, you can't, you can't have a bad tournament or you're done. Yeah, that's true. And I guess that's a testament to how good he fished at the beginning of the year. And I, I, I know, I'm sure he felt the pressure because there was real talk of him missing Oahe. But, uh, because of the birth of his daughter. Yeah. They thought he was going to have to miss a tournament. It all worked out. You know, he had his baby girl. He was able to be there, and everything was good. But, I mean, it's essentially, if he misses one, he's probably out of it. But he had enough of he had enough of a cushion where he could have that bad tournament and make it up. I think his, his performance, just his mental agility, it, it's uncomparable. Like, he's like, I don't know who you want to compare him to. I don't compare him to anybody. But, like, he is your modern-day insert name here right like the mental agility the ability to and he probably does internally stress about things we, we all do but like just to see how he processes information and see how he has that mental agility and resiliency to bounce back from a bad day on the water without checking the points and yeah. seeing where he sits and dealing with everything that he dealt with on the road man I'm super impressed with him. Like he's somebody that I would love to be paired up with and just pick his brain. I don't know for years to figure out what's going on in there. He's a very, very, very good, well-rounded angler. Mm-hmm. Yep. But he definitely excels when he can get on them fish offshore. 
Yeah, huge congrats to him. Um, who won MLFAOI? Uh, Jacob Wheeler. Jacob Wheeler. Yep. Okay. Did you have to ask that question? Yeah. <laughs> because I mean, we all know the answer. Yeah. Everybody knows. How many is that for him? About 30? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. he's on a hot streak. You talk about a, a dude that can catch a fish in a mud hole. Yep. I mean, that dude is awesome. The guy can fish any, like, anywhere. Lakes, rivers, streams, ponds. Yeah, like, that's true. I, I don't have war. I mean, he's just phenomenal. Yeah. I, I, what do you but, say about a guy like that? But here's a hot take. No matter what he does throughout the rest of the career, unless he goes wins a Bassmaster Classic, he'll never be the greatest. I'm not oh. <laughs> ben went there. That's all right. We we're can not, go there we're too. Not, we'll get into this someday. That, not, today is not. That's today. a hey. That's an opinion, right? Which which one's more prestigious? You know, one that's been around forever, or one that's that's brand new and, and hot on the market. But I mean, they've J- always given anger to the year out though. Yeah, I think so. If you were to put Jacob Wheeler against Polinek, who would win? Man, that would be a slugfest. Them dudes be. are both very good offshore. They're both very good shallow. You look at what Wheeler did when they came here for the heavy hitters and picked Harris apart. And, yeah. And uh, he didn't win, but he caught, I think he won big fish, which is 100,000, and, and caught fish consistently. Um, so he could fish shallow. Just, yeah, that would be a slugfest. What's so impressive about Jacob right now is that it's been several years now that he has just been dominating. Yeah, it's not anything new. It's not like he had one or two hot years. He's and, and you see that from time to time. You see a lot of times the angler of the year, like someone is really consistent, really hot for the year. But the next year you see them, they're way down in the angler of the year rankings. Like this not is even, back-to-back for him, correct? He won last year too. I believe so, yeah. And if he's not one, number one, he's probably like two or three. And it's just phenomenal that the, the, the consistency he has had over the last several years. There's, just, there's very few guys who've had like a run like him. Um Maybe Bill Dance, KVD, Rick Clone at times, but like there's, there's uh, very few guys who've had like a consistent multi-year phenomenal. I don't, run. I don't know that anybody has ever been as good as KVD when KVD was in this prep. Yeah, he was definitely. When you're talking a- about anglers of the year and classic being the premier, he was winning them both. Yeah. I'd like to say that I am from Kalamazoo, Michigan, originally. So uh, you your know. best buds with KVD, right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, but hey, you Trey's know, a good fisherman, but it was not in the water. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, like KVD, man, like it's hard to it's hard to put numbers against his. But there are some greats, and I think Jacob Wheeler and, and Polinuk are going to go down with the greats. Oh, I think they they, they oh, absolutely yeah. will. I think my personal opinion, I think uh, Polinuk is a better shallow water fisherman than 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 Wheeler is. I think Wheeler is is dominant offshore but you put them side by side in any fishery and it's going to be it's going to be neck neck and neck to neck so we're pa- we're pulling it really impresses me is that mid that mid depth game yeah we're most like i struggle and a lot of anglers struggle in that five to nine foot range yeah i struggle there that too. is my struggle point that's a yep. tough it's a tough but column of water to fish and he he does a really really good job of finding fish in those areas and then catching them. Yeah. Yeah, they both run similar equipment, too. Yeah. Like, when you look at the way that their boats and stuff are set up, like, they run pretty close to each other as far as they, they do. But I think you're right. Um, that five to nine foot range, like, I'm either hitting the bank or I'm going out deep. I don't want to play in that area. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's really good at that. But congratulations to both of those guys. And then we move on to AOI for the National Professional Fishing League. And I don't know a lot about this guy. Um, I do know he's a northern angler, but that's Gary Atkins, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's yeah. the one that hoisted the gold shield for the MPFL. So huge congratulations to him. That's a hell of a that's a hell of a trophy to hold hey, up. I've got an idea for a, a one cast tournament. Let's convince 
each angler of the year to do like a, a challenge event. Yeah. You yeah. know, just let's, let's That'd be something. It'd be awesome, right? <laughs> that, that would be, be awesome. pretty sweet. All right, let's put Atkins and, and Jacob and, and um, Polonik on the same body of water and, and then slug it out for the true angler of the year. There you yeah. Go. <laughs> I mean, Atkins is definitely a small mouth hammer. Yeah. Like he's really good, but he caught them all around, obviously. And uh, going back to what Pete said, you're right, though. That consistency across the board, like that's hard to do. That's like your local level stick here. And I'll throw him in here, Tyler Trent, who has been winning everything locally in North Carolina and won the yeah, was North it the, Carolina, Virginia, Virginia, Virginia exactly. Northern South Carolina. It, won that's right. Everything. He won the uh, the BFL regional event at, at Lake Murray, I think it was. Yeah, it was right. Yeah, right. So yeah. I mean, like just winning across the board, and and you know, hopefully, you know, one day all three of us can get on that streak here um, after we pump out all these snaggles jigs and stuff like that. But uh, but huge congrats to him. I didn't get to see a lot of his performance throughout the year. I did watch some of the. Uh, the uh, MPFL recaps on on YouTube and and they <laughs> they pump out some hours on YouTube. Oh, yeah. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So those for me those small mall events are hard to watch sometimes. Just for me personally, it, it sometimes it feels like I'm watching golf or or the grass grow. But you know it is it is pretty cool to see how he got out there in the middle of one of the Great Lakes or where. Yeah, he dominated on the Great Lakes mm-hmm. and, and just. Just yeah, fish those shell beds and stuff. Yeah. Really well, he didn't win, but he fished really well. He was just obviously he was consistent throughout the year, mm-hmm. and uh, they got some really really good anglers fishing uh, the MPFL. I, we're probably going to see more this year. Yep. Uh, with the changes, which we're going to talk about, but uh, but yeah, you, know, they, you had some elite guys fishing the MPFL. Yeah, mm-hmm. Patrick Walters. Patrick Walters fish. He won one. Um, yeah, so there's the, no there's no lack of uh, of talent in that league either. And they're pushing out great content, like they for are. us as as consumers or viewers or just bass fishing, you know, obsessive people, right? Addicts, uh, addicts is a great right. We're, We're addicts. fishing addicts, <laughs> um, but you know the content they put out. And next year they're going to have even more content. Um, they're going to stream. So, and we're all familiar, you know, get Bass Live and you can watch the BPT live and, mm-hmm. and right and the MPFL, you'll be able to watch live next year, as I understand, um, and even more coverage. So, pretty much, it's probably like every single weekend in the spring and early summer. Like, if you want to catch some, watch some fishing, or if you're at work and you want to put it on your computer, like you can, you can stay in touch and find out what these guys are doing. You know, you're an addict when you're watching some circuit live. While you're fishing, yeah. <laughs> oh, I did that. A, I've had. Uh, I've done that several times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the MPFL's been doing live for since their inception, and they do a man. They do a really nice job for for an up and coming league. Uh, I think they always have ten cameras on boats. They have chase boats. Uh, Fat Cat Newton was doing the on the water. He's moved into their uh, broadcast booth, and now James Watson doing the on water. So you have you have he's a he's a personality. James is and oh yeah. Uh, Luke Duncan, you know, they have really good people and it, it, they put on a really, really good show. So if you haven't checked it out, uh, we'll throw them a free plug. Like, yeah, that's, they go live on their website, uh, when they, when they broadcast all every day of the tournament. So just keep an eye on their schedule. And if you can put it on, they do a really, really nice job. We're happy to plug them because we're we're fishing addicts. We want to watch them. We want to see them do well. As we're, as we're talking about the NPFL here. I th- let, let's move on to, I think the last thing we want to talk about today is like the things that happened in 2022 and these really affect next season, 2023 season. And there was a lot of changes uh, to the various high level tournaments. So we talk, you know, bass, BPT, the opens, 
NPFL, which we just talked about, and we'll just jump into that one. The NPFL, um, Trey, I think you're probably the most familiar. You looked it up the most. You want to you want to drop down all the changes they've made for. Uh, I guess a brief overview wave top for 2023. Yeah. So uh, originally the MPFL, their entry fees were up to $6,000 a piece, but they recently dropped them down to $5,200 per tournament. Um, they're also going to have the, uh, the championship round this year and they are still doing the same format, which is the three day tournament with 125 anglers. If I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. they also do not have co-anglers. Um, what was the other big change that they had? Hundred thousand dollars. Hundred thousand dollars. Hundred grand now. Hundred thousand. That's twice as much as last we, uh, last two. I'm, I'm going to make a comment on that, and I can't say, I can't say how I know or who I heard from, but <laughs> sources. The, the the second tournament of the year, Trey uh, Watts Bar. We we we'll talk about in an upcoming episode too. But uh, there's a vote going around with the MPFL anglers to move that event date right now because of interest from several elite anglers that would like to fish the MPFL. I mean, that, that format is attracting a lot of people. Uh, and I, yeah. And I, and I think that format's good. I really think the MPFL format is good because of how much uh, publicity or split divide that was, uh, that happened between, you know, the major league fishing and bass. Like this is a great opportunity for another circuit to come around they offer some of the some amazing payouts and they almost kind of go back to like the FLW style days, right? They don't have codes and stuff like that, but the $100,000 payout and they paid down to like 42 or 45 places last year. I'm not sure if that's going to be the same, but it's an amazing opportunity and their tournaments are so spread out, man. They're and so spread and out. $100, and $100,000. And $100,000. NPFL's got a lot of opportunities for, for anglers who want to get into the, the game, so to speak, the big game. J- just for everyone listening and watching out here, I, our plan is, so today obviously we're talking everything 2022, but some of the upcoming episodes, we're going to break down each of the, the major level tours. So um, BPT with MLF, the Elite Series, and the NPFL. We're going to break down all the schedules and talk about the events and the things we're excited for. Maybe some things that are like we're not quite sure about. But NPFL yeah. Yeah. definitely made some changes. They are they are stepping up to the plate, right? They're, they're trying to really get you know solidified in the industry. And it's, it's good for the anglers. So I, I love it. I love other, it too. The other hot item... The opens. Hot news. Oh, I love this when they opens. Got to fish all nine to qualify for the elites. I don't love it, but I get it. I get it. I love it. I think it, it took the working man. It, you know, Bass was the working man's organization, and everybody had an opportunity, and you've taken that away. Yeah. You, everybody truly had an opportunity when it was the three, the, the regionals. You don't have that anymore, but I get it because – Guys that win the Northerns, and I'm going to specifically call it the Northerns because I'm from the North. I know people from the North that have made it. They don't have the experience fishing Southern lakes, fishing different bodies of water like like uh, like the guys that grew up in the South do. They don't, and and across the board, winning the regionals, most a lot of those folks don't necessarily have the experience with the travel, uh, the the periods of practice. Uh, the amount of money that they need to have personally, uh, sponsors, all of that. So I get it. Like you're truly preparing people to take the next step where you didn't necessarily do that as an organization before. But I, I what I would like to see, honestly, uh, I know we're going to go into this more eventually, but while we're on it, 
I feel like there should still be something from the regionals other than the classic. I feel like if you win your a re, like a division, a division regionally, you should be granted entry into all nine the next year. Without that, that's entry interesting. Fees, that's a, yeah, that's they definitely pay your entry fees for the year. They give you an opportunity. That's that's interesting. I kind of like that. You'd still you'd still have to find sponsors because you're still going to need travel, fuel, all of that still you're gonna, expense. Yeah. But it still gives me as a guy who may not be able to raise a hundred thousand dollars in a year to go fish because it's going to be you're looking roughly at that to fish all night. I would think between it, fuel and lodging and travel and entry fees and gear and it it is not a cheap sport. No, and, and I think bass is professionalizing their feeder system. Yeah, I agree. So you, you're calling it the EQ, the elite qualifier. There's 175 anglers who signed up for it. Um, that's a lot of folks, especially when it's a typically a 225 boat field in the opens. But it's not just that you have to fish all nine and, and really take it seriously. It's that they established an off-limits and practice period. Yeah. Like I, w- I went down to the Harris Chain two years ago when I got out of the Army, kind of as my getting out of the Army celebration gift. And I was down there three or four weeks before the open, and there were guys already showing up to pre-fish. And, you know, if you're a local guy, you can do that. And what I think Bass is trying to do is try to weed out some of the folks who, oh, I see the opens coming to my local lake uh, that I that I do pretty well, I know well, and basically try to cash a lottery ticket and, and try to win to get to the Classic. Because if you still go and you still win, right, you're still going to go to the Classic. If you right. fish the other uh, the other two in your yeah, division. Yeah, you, you have to fish all of them. Yeah. But by, by establishing, you know, practice, off-limits, have to fish all nine, it is, right, it, they are professionalizing uh, their feeder system, if you want to call it AAA, AAA, but they're getting English prepared to compete at the highest level. The competition should be better. It's going to be more aligned with the competition on the Elite Series. So as guys move up into it, hopefully guys will just be better apt at competing at the, at the highest level f- from the get-go. Because right? we've seen guys, they've made it, but they haven't been able to fish a, a whole year or they can't fish more than one year because of sponsorship dollars and right, all sorts of issues. And they're trying to prevent this. And, you know, and, and I understand the argument of taking away from the working man, um, kind of that thought process, but, but, but let's be real. It was still like two grand. Entered, oh yeah, yeah. Right. Is it really, like I said, I get it. I, I get what they're doing. I a hundred percent get it. I fully understand why they're doing it. I think it's a good idea, but, but that organization bass, the majority of their money is coming from guys buying their $25 a year membership, fishing their local club, fishing their local opens. You need to, outside of just the classic, which don't get me wrong, is a huge incentive. I mean, if I could go win a tournament, know I can win a tournament and still qualify for the classic, I'm going to go after it. Mm-hmm. But for the guys that wanted to make the elites and can't necessarily afford the entry fee for all nine, they had an opportunity. Now they don't. But now they have another system. We just talked about the MPFL, but there's more feeder systems than there's ever been in bass fishing. Right we, now. we we we're gonna sit down and figure out, and we're gonna bring it to everybody. How do you actually qualify for all the major major tours? Yeah, right. Uh, because it is starting to get confusing, especially when you look on the MLF BPT side and you look at the that's the most confusing. Yeah, invitational, the invitationals, and, yep, and the whatever their opens call. They used to be the Costa series. Um, I think the, the like Toyota, Toyota series. series. Now, yeah. Is it Toyota, Toyota now? Series, and yep. and then you have the invitational and BPT. So, and right, and we're gonna break it down. This you know, think about how you can qualify for either Red Crest or, or the Classic too, because there's different avenues even outside the opens, at least on for the Classic to qualify for that as well. You've got so. some big names too that 
this year have left the BPT to fish all nine opens to try to mm-hmm. get back to the elites. That's right. Ishman Rowe and Bobby Lane. Yep, both of them. Which, and Ishman Rowe's a West Coaster. Yep. Mm-hmm. So think about the finances God, that, that it takes. Stick. You oh. know, you're driving all the way from Cali, you're most likely flying, depending on the tournament and stuff. And stuff. But I think it's just amazing, like how many different circuits, and that's that's really what I like how the the industry has transitioned or evolved. Rather, is there's so many options. Right. There's just so many options for you to fish and whether whether you want to call it professionally or not. I mean, if I'm a local guide and I'm fishing and making money, am I a professional fisherman? Absolutely. Right. It's, you are. What title are you after? You're a professional right? tournament. So, Look, if you can win 100 grand, you're a professional tournament angler. You're a professional tournament angler. If you're I, able to afford $30,000 in entry fee, $30,000 plus, you have sponsors, you have people supporting you outside of your family. At that fish, you, at that point, you were tournament fishing for a living. It may I, not be your full time living, right? But a portion of your income, hopefully, a portion of your income that's not all loss. Hopefully, you're doing well enough to catch a check here and there. But I, I guess I qualify professional, regardless of industry. <laughs> if it pays your bills, that's right. That that is your profession, or, yeah. or your career. It's or the job. title that you know. It's the title that people are chasing. I mean, if a company is willing to assume risk on investing into you knowing that there is a potential that they're not going to have a return on investment, but you go out there and crush or don't crush. I mean, what title are you after, right? Like mm-hmm. you're professional angler or you professional marketing and sales or you, what are you right? But now you have a lot more options to mm-hmm. put yourself in that category. And I think it's just continuing to grow the sport. And now that we have the third national level circuit, and there's a lot more circuits out oh, yeah. there, right? Oh, yeah. Texas, ABA, ABAs, like you there's name California's it. California's got Fishers several. of men fish all over the, the country. Like there's tons of different circuits, but the ones that you hear about the most, obviously the MPFL bass and, and MLF. So and MLF, BPT. the BPT, big change. Five yeah. fish. That's right. Still catch way release, but five fish now. You got opinions on that? The catch, weigh, and release five fish? We can make a whole episode. Yeah, we can make a whole episode. Here's what I thought on it. I don't really care. I don't Uh, care either. It doesn't fundamentally change how the tour is operating because they are catching every fish and weighing them unless they can tell that's not going to call. Let's toss them back. They still can't touch the deck. Right, you can't drop them. There's no weigh-in. You know the results right away. Like fundamentally, it doesn't change the tour. It may change some guy's strategy depending on lake and how they like the fish and, and the schools that they're on. But fundamentally, they're just changing how they're calculating the score. Is what it comes down to. Yeah, I just think that the only thing, and I'll just say it, and I'll leave it at this because we'll go into a whole other episode. Is if I catch my first big five fish within the first hour and then I decide not to fish at all because I'm conserving then you're Timmy Horton, <laughs> you know, then like, what does that do to, to the viewer? Right. Like, whereas it was two pounders or one pounders and just catch as many as you can. There's lots of other guys. What viewer? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's going to wrestle some feathers, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, their, their viewership's down. Yeah. I'm not going to go watch a, them hand a trophy to a guy in a, in a parking lot of a ramp. Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of people that support it and that don't support it. I just think it's something different. Fishing is fishing to me, like, but you're right. At the end of the day, I'd much rather watch five biggins come to the scales. There's no the fanfare's killed, and I, I I like what they do. I went and watched them on the lake when they were here doing the heavy hitters. Yep. I didn't go to the ramp to watch them hand a trophy to a guy because I don't care. Right. There's there's no joy for me to just watch a guy get a trophy and then blast off some confetti cannons like they're doing a gender reveal. 
<laughs> I mean, let's, let's be honest. I want to see a dude f- pull a sack out of his live well. That, and it's a suspense, too. I, I know Bass has Bass Tracker, but it is not accurate. Those and dudes, people they sandbag, they sandbag them yeah. like crazy. Yeah. Yep. And you know the ones who sandbag more than others. Oh, yeah. And they'll you know, call it. And yeah. some of them overestimate their weight. I really like that when they're on the water and they're like, uh, you know, so-and-so uh, four pounds behind you. And he goes, oh, then he's over me by six because he sandbagged. Yeah. <laughs> so you get, you get that back and forth. And, and it is nice to have an idea. But I don't know that that bass track has accurately predicted a winner, other than some tournaments where they've absolutely blown people away. Yeah, with the, weights. The only time maybe has been um, the Texas Fest. Yeah, right. When they when they when yeah. they do the same thing when they weigh everything on the boat with the marshals. But you know, I guess personally, I like the five fish because I'm only saying that because when we, when we talk about how was big was the bag, like five fish is the and the weight associated with that level bag is this kind of like the standard. In fishing, I, I went out on my local lake and I caught 20 pounds. Everyone knows you caught five fish for 20. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went out and caught 15. I went out and caught 32. Well, and let's not take anything away. Look at when Edwin Evers won Red Crest. He was on a school of two pound fish mm-hmm. and caught, I mean, he had well over 100 pounds, but they were like, he caught 52 pound fish in an afternoon or whatever it was. Like, yeah. Cool. I've done it. I think it, I think the different formats cater to a a different generation of anglers too right like the older generation likes the five fish limit right they're not going to sit there on their phone all day or watch live and and stare at a screen they want to mingle in the exposés they want to walk around they want to talk to people and at the end of the day they want to sit down and they want to watch five fish come across the stage right and the younger generation they're okay with and then you got our generation that's like in the middle right like we can view it but we also want to see it uh, you know and that's why it's it's all subjective Right. To me, the too. MLF gets very boring watching it. it. And I, I had no problem with what they did before, right? Weighing pretty much every fish, and I know each year they've kind of increased that weight because it is, it's a slightly different game. I think we all we all understand oh, that yeah. it is, uh, uh, you know, for so long because we didn't have the technology, you had to bring fish into the scales. The bass used to be like seven, you know you know, seven bass limits. Oh yeah. And you used mm-hmm. to get bonus weight if your fish were alive and yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So, so things have changed and it is a different, it's just a different way of looking at the ultimate question you're trying to answer is who is the best angler on this particular body of water during this, during this period of time. That's right. And there's just, right. There's a lot of ways we can look at it. And that's ones of the five biggest fish. The ones, can you go catch the most weight, right? Mm-hmm. Regardless of size, like, can you find the most fish? It, you know, both have its place. Both are interesting. I, I have no problem, again, with the BPT going back to five. Because I think that was a, a lot of an angler decision, like a lot of the anglers voted for it. Yeah. So, yeah. But a lot of cool changes. We talked about the Opens. We talked about the BPT. We talked about the MPFL. 2022 was viral all the way around with changes and with cheating scandals and all that stuff. And I think it was, uh, you know. We kind of we, we skipped over one thing I want to talk about. We talked about double-digit bass. Mm-hmm. I don't have the numbers for that. I, I I don't either, and and we bring it up later. But guys like Josh Jones, uh, Milliken, going out and, <laughs> and catching fifty pound bags on OIV, and there's, there's a lot of debate about it. But you can't take an accomplishment away a guy catching five fish for fifty pounds or better. I no. mean that's it's phenomenal. Seven or eight share lunkers. I think Josh Jones is up to. Really, he just posted yesterday. He's got his biggest bag now on film. He had two 13-pounders in that bag. 
That's ridiculous. I'm still trying to break 9.6. Yeah, like these dudes that are <laughs> targeting these big bass like we've never seen, and it's because of live scope. And say what you want about it. I'm getting it up for the second time this episode. It's just a tool. You still have to go out there and catch them. I have it on my boat, and I'm not bringing 10-pound fish in every time no, I fish. No, but you're learning, though. You're learning how many fish actually just live offshore. And how but, many fish don't care about your bait. That's or, right. Or that run is away the truth. From, it's probably, run away from it. It's the most <laughs> educational and frustrating piece of technology ever. And where do we go from here? Yeah. That is a great question. Champions, 2022. Bassmaster. Here's where we go. was who? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason Christie. Jason Christie. Christie crushed it, man. Yep, we talked about it briefly, but mm-hmm. uh, super happy. I've, I've been lucky to meet him a few times. Haven't got to talk to him a whole bunch, but super nice guy. Um, really happy to see him finally win one after the last couple of years. And then uh, who won Redcrest this year? Was it Bobby Lane? It was, yep. Yeah, yeah Bobby yeah, Lane. Yeah. Bobby Lane. And Bobby's actually what you said. I think Bobby's stepping away, he's isn't stepping he? stepping away from BTC. Stepping away. Fishing all nine opens. Him and his brother... They both one has a blue trophy, one has that classic trophy, and one has that red yep. crest trophy, yep. and he's gonna chase that one down. So that was pretty cool to see him win red crest. I'm gonna be honest with you, I didn't watch it. No, I, 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 I didn't see it. Honestly. I watched the classic, I didn't see red crest. I definitely saw some of the recaps on YouTube yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, that's your champion for MLF for BPT is Bobby Lane, Jason Christie, and then for the MPFL you have Gary Atkins. Was no, that was Angler of the Year. Yeah, he was Angler of the Year. Who was the? They don't have a they didn't have one. This year. So they'll have one. In, so that that's is another champion. new thing for 23. Yeah, uh, they'll have the they'll have a championship now. Um, MPFL top, if I remember correctly, was 40 anglers and points, mm-hmm. $250,000 payout. And they haven't announced the lake or anything yet, but that's a great payout. Too. What do you think their trophy is going to look like for the MPFL? You got Man, the gold they, one for the I, AOI? I'll tell you what, <laughs> the, the MPFL has the, the coolest biggest, trophy yeah. and biggest. Yeah. Them jokers are big, but I, I appreciate what that league's doing, man. It's, yep. it's been fun to watch. Um, 2020 year, 2022 was a, it's a little weird year. It's done. It's a good year for bass fishing. We had, well, we're fishing in general. We had some negative stories. That's always going to happen. But, uh, you know, the fishing was phenomenal. All the tours are phenomenal. And they, they provide a product, right, for all of us who are fishing addicts that we can enjoy. Yeah. Depending on our particular flavor and how we like to fish and how we want to see that judge. But 2022, overall, great year, I think. But 2023, who knows? Who knows? Anything could happen. Hey, all I know is it's given us a platform to talk to talk about our opinions, right? Like it's given us an opportunity to get out there and talk to the viewers and stuff like that. And for three guys, average anglers to sit around here and, and shoot the beep. Right. So <laughs> it's uh 23 is going to be a fun year, man. And, and big thing for 23. We'll close it off with this. If you guys are good with it, if you're coming to the Bassmaster classic, we'll be there. Yeah. We'll have our booth. We'll be set up. Come say hi. Yeah. We'll let y'all know the booth number once we have it, but come say hi. We're probably going to, tr- we're talking about trying to do a, uh, a show from there. Um, we, we have the equipment to, to carry with mm-hmm. us. So we may put together a little uh, pre-show for the classic. And if you listen to these leading up to then, hopefully we have a bunch of episodes out and yeah, come say, Hey, I'll finish with this. Cast your questions at us. We want to hear from the viewers. We want to know what your thoughts are. Anything you'd like to see different, any questions that you need answered, or any comments that you just may have, cast them at us. We're here for you. Go fish. Alunkers one cast away.